Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. Notably, Christian, we are without Tyler Penn and Timmy Gibson this episode. I mentioned last week, we mentioned last week, that we were going to have a Marvel Cinematic Universe draft episode. But unfortunately, schedules did not align and plans had to change. So we'll be doing the draft next week once we have a, the, the proper amount of time to dedicate to it with those two. Thank you for your patience, Tyler and Timmy. And Christian, go ahead and share with our listeners what's coming up today. So, you know, we, um, we had to, went to Swerve with the Zag. So we normally do this every year. We give the top five movies that we have reviewed every year. So we're going to look at all the blends we've done. No streaming recommendations, simply blends. And we're going to give our top five based on that. Furthermore, afterwards, we're going to give our most anticipated movies coming out in 2023. So we're going to give you all a taste of what happened and a taste of what is to come. Because even though these upcoming movies won't necessarily be reviewed on this show, we're still kind of looking forward to it. You know what movie is not on my most anticipated list? that um, everyone around me is, is going crazy for, and as much as I try to resist, I may, I may be falling. Um, hmm. there, I have a few guesses for a Christian, but I, I know that you'll maybe be a little more resistant to Dune Part 2, so maybe Oppenheimer? Is that the one? It's not Oppenheimer. It's, um, so it has a non-Italian man playing an Italian man. Ah. Does it have something to do with maybe Chris Pratt, perhaps? <laughs> Everyone around me is going crazy over this new Lego Mario Brothers trailer. I saw, I saw it. Yes, they're all going crazy for it. I saw the trailer. I, I, I liked it. Um, it comes out. Lego Mario Brothers comes out the day of my birthday. So this is my avatar. The way of water is for you. Incredible. So I I don't know. Maybe Maybe they're right. Maybe it will be the best movie of next year. Two quick things, Christian. Number one, it's not Lego. It's just oh, Super Mario Brothers. It's Number just... two, <laughs> please count me out of the people who are anticipating this movie because I get less and less confident with each passing trailer. So I am going to go into that as quite a skeptic. It's the most bah humbug. I'll be in the movie theater in quite a while, and here's hoping they can convince me. <laughs> but I don't believe the Super Mario Brothers movie will be appearing on either of our lists. Sorry to Chris Pratt. Honorable mention. We're looking forward to what they do. Maybe you are, Christian. But we'll get to that later in the show. For now, we are going to kick off with our top five movies reviewed this year, which has been a trend for us for the last couple of years, I believe, as we look back on the year. And before we get to our full Drippies episode, where we talk about our favorite performances of the year, our favorite movies ranked, kind of as, I guess not ranked, but we award our best picture out of everything for the year, talk about some other fun categories. I'm it's not going to stalemate you like I did last year. Yeah, thank you for that. Much appreciated. We are going to just take a look and share just our respective top fives. Not a very in-depth list, of course, but as we look back on the year, thought through some of the blends we went through earlier on, wanted to shout out our five favorites that we got to. Christian, before we get into our lists, was yours a mix of m movies that you saw for the first time and rewatches, or was one category a little more weighted than the other? Because for me, looking at this list, 
it's almost entirely rewatches. And I only have a couple movies that I saw for the first time floating around my honorable mentions list. I might have to swap them in, but how did it stand for you? I think three of these are rewatches. I think two are for the first time. Um, that being said, a lot of these are also re in 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 like my top ten. Some of these are also reappraisals of like I remember that I had seen this movie at one point and I rewatched it and thought it was amazing. So it's it's a combo. I know for me that it's just it was tough to make the list because we were coming back to some of my favorite movies that we just happened to fit into blends. Whether it was you suggesting it, not knowing I was such a big fan, or me getting to craft the blend and <laughs> fit in the movie that I knew that I loved. I will say, not a ton of flat-out five-star masterpiece movies, but a lot of four, four-and-a-half-star movies for me. Movies that I really, really appreciate or really, really love that I'm making this list out of. So, I have two five-stars? I have two five-stars. I think that's where I am as well. So it looks like we're on a, at least on the same page in terms of our stars used on Letterboxd and other review-hosting sites. But Christian, I turn it to you, my friend. Kick us off with your number five. All right, my number five comes from the Tom Cruise-Christopher McQuarrie blend of the month. And it is Edge of Tomorrow, which is just a banger of a movie, man. In fact, it is. This, the, oh man, this movie starring Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. <laughs> Groundhog Day, except they die instead of just go to bed. Sometimes he dies on Groundhog Day. I mean, <laughs> killed by aliens. <laughs> killed by aliens to restart your day is wonderful. And I think it's one of the smartest scripts that we've seen this year. And honestly, you're not the biggest fan of the visual effects. I thought the way that they, they did so, the tentacles on the aliens, was incredible. Also, it is it is some of the most nuanced I've seen Tom Cruise be in a while. And uh, just, you know, we've already discussed all of these movies. I don't want to get back into things that we've already talked about. But when I looked at the movies that I saw this year, I never knew where the script was going to go. Like, they're trying to kill, you know, the alien queen, the, the alien top head, um, in order to save humanity. And for a long time, I wasn't sure if that was going to happen. And I wasn't sure how the movie was going to get there. And, and I think so many movies now are formulaic, that it was nice to find someone that took a genre we already know and a concept we already know and did it in a smart way with two just killer performances in the middle of it. So yeah, and then we're about to go to Edge of Tomorrow. A really good choice, of course. A movie that I had some minor problems with, like the design of the aliens, but otherwise don't fault you at all. Definitely one of the more fun movies that Tom Cruise has been in in his late career that's not re related to the Mission Impossible franchise. One of the last times he was working outside of a franchise and definitely wish that we could get a little bit more of that because he is so good in that movie, like you said. I had so many movies vying to get onto the list just to land that number five spot for me. And it was so hard to choose because we looked at a ton of great action movies, a ton of great blockbusters this year, some of which are my personal favorites. But I had to slot in at number five my favorite from this year. That is, in fact, it was a first time watch at the time, <laughs> but now I've seen it twice. And that movie is Top Gun Maverick. Speaking of Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie, I... I was doing everything I could to keep this off the list, Christian. Not because not because I felt like it's a bad movie. Obviously, I'm a huge fan. But recency bias, you know? You want to be mindful. There are other movies on the list that I have seen multiple times since they came out years ago. But 
Christian, I just, I just couldn't resist my boy Maverick getting back up in that plane and, and flying across my movie screen once again. And as we discussed on that episode, I think Maverick is just a fantastic example of a blockbuster gone right, where there have been a lot of great blockbusters made in recent memory, but a lot of times they don't have very interesting, I don't, don't have a super interesting story or themes. You know, they have, they have great action, some fun performances, but they don't dive deep. Or maybe they do have an interesting story, but something else suffers along the way. And a lot of blockbusters are, are trying their best, but they have these goals to make lots of money, not necessarily to, to make the best possible version of the story. Not that these, you know, these filmmakers aren't trying, obviously. But Top Gun Maverick seems to be a filmmaker working at the height of his powers, a movie star working, if not at the height of his powers, kind of the best he's been in a long time, with stunning both practical effects being rolled out and visual effects used to support the movie as opposed to leading the way. And you throw in some really fun performances from people like Jennifer Connelly and Glenn Powell and a strong supporting performance from Miles Teller as well. Get that Lady Gaga song in there, Christian, and we just have a spectacular brew of a blockbuster gone right. And I just loved that movie. I'm part of the, the thronging masses who were Top Gun Maverick fans. So it was an honorable mention when we started to text about this list, but it crept its way up into my number five spot here at the recording. So Top Gun Maverick for me. You know what movie reminds me of? Tell me, Christian. True Lies. In that it's, and this is why. It's a very simple concept, and it just has two you know, movie stars at the center of it. And it, it, it's not trying to reinvent the wheel, but it's just like, guys, the wheel can be cool. You know, the wheel spins. Yeah, exactly. Maverick is not trying to do something drastically different from the original Top Gun, but it is cognizant of the, the ways that these people would have changed if they were real. Obviously, Pete, Pete Mitchell would be very different if it were 25, 30 years since the events of the, the original movie. And so... Being able to look at the ways that he is similar and some of the ways that he is now different and can help help people along the way was one of the most interesting parts of that movie for me. Because obviously, Pete Mitchell, he's, he's a fun character in the original Top Gun. He's that Tom Cruise, brash, kind of an a-hole kind of guy who you just grow to love. And in this one, he's still a little bit of that guy, but he's, he's more mature. He's wiser. He's got some wisdom to impart and lessons to learn him still himself. So, couldn't resist it. It's my number five. What do you think are the odds that it has at the Oscars, Christian? Obviously, we're coming to the end of this year. We'll see Oscars to get early into next the year. top ten. I'm curious. You know, maybe... I think it gets into the top ten. I think okay. it should get into the top ten. Okay. Yeah. It's a sure. movie that the masses love that I think is well made. So we don't always honor those at the Oscars. Um, I mean, go. Dune got in. I think Top Gun Maverick. I like more than Dune. You can disagree with that, but I, I, I think also more people... It is safe to say that you liked it more than Dune, that's for sure. And I think more people watched it than Dune. So I think that if Dune can get in, Top Gun Maverick should get in. All right. Good call, Christian. All Let's right. go to your number four. Uh, I, don't, I don't really remember what you think of my number four, but my number four is Planet of the Apes. So, Charles... Now, we Original. Had... Okay. <laughs> original Planet of the Apes. The, the other ones, none of the other ones are... Uh, they're all like War or Dawn or... or I don't know. There's a third one, Rise, but yeah, I have Planet of the Apes, Charlton Heston led, uh, 1960s film about a man who is coming home from an expedition into space with an entire group of people and finds himself in a strange world. Um, the ape design incredible. The Charlton Heston performance fantastic, and. 
I mean, yes, it has an incredible ending shot. It has an absolutely incredible ending shot, an absolutely amazing beginning monologue. But I think more than that, it's just how how well they develop the society of apes and how well they tune that into, into it being a religion for them and how clear the parallels they're trying to make between the apes are and who we are is. And it, it's, it, it just also looks amazing, shot beautifully. So Planet of the Apes is, is, is one that just sticks around in me and that the lesson, it's, it's a morality film. And the lessons of that morality, I think, are just so well spread out that that I I, I always find myself attuned to it. So I, I honestly don't remember what your thoughts are on the '60s one. I I was I really liked it. I mean, again, the first time I was coming to that movie as well, I had seen the newer Planet of the Apes trilogy before, but hadn't seen the original. And I was a big fan. I agree with you totally. And, and they set up the society so well, and you. You obviously get to make use of those great classic ape costumes for all the characters, which one of those things that's maybe of a bygone era, but the costumes that are obviously fake but help the movie feel more real in sort of a way that work so well. Definitely a, a truly great science fiction movie, one with, of, of course, that's taught us lessons forever. And that opening monologue, too. I was completely not expecting it. <laughs> it knocked me back into my chair uh, as soon as that movie started. So I'm with you on that one. Another very good movie we looked at this year. Let's go to your number four, three, four? My number four. I I almost followed you, Christian, in terms of having movies from the same blend of the month in our five and four slots. I almost picked a movie uh, from that very blend we're looking at. Almost went a Planet of the Apes direction, in fact. But instead, I am sticking with one of the, actually the only movie on my list that might not be considered a blockbuster, unfortunately, but that is Adaptation. The Spike Jones directed, Charlie Kaufman written, and Nicolas Cage starring movie, of course, following Charlie Kaufman in the task to adapt The Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean, but ultimately adapting both The Orchid Thief into a bad Hollywood movie and his own adaptation journey, inventing for himself a fake twin brother, Donald. <coughs> I love this movie. I think it is just fascinatingly written. And me and Charlie Kaufman don't always hit it off, especially with a more recent movie of his. I'm thinking of Ending Things, where he was in the director's chair as well. It just didn't click with me at all. And some of his other scripts have have sometimes left me cold. He wrote uh, a movie that I briefly mentioned on the podcast, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, which is George Clooney's directorial debut, and his script kind of got hacked up by the studio. But either way, again, just not a script that I loved. He's written Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He did write Eternal Sunshine. It's it's one of my seven essential movies. Yeah, I mean, Eternal Sunshine is great with a capital G. And I think Adaptation is right up there with it. Uh, Not only do you have this fascinating and entertaining Kaufman script, but you also get this great performance from Nicolas Cage where he plays... I, I think it's very humble in a way of Kaufman to have written himself like this where he seems to take all of the flaws that he perceives about himself and puts them on the page as a character and makes Charlie in the movie work, but also gives himself this foil as Donald, the one who is sort of vivacious, he's chatty, he is successful right off the bat, he's good with women, all of these things that Charlie doesn't seem to find about his own life or doesn't believe about himself. And they're such a good pair. Throw in the fact that you have great supporting performances from Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper, and it's it's just a, me- a very memorable movie. 
And although I know you did not necessarily agree with me in some respects, Christian, it's one that I still love and wanted to make sure it was on my list. So that's number four. Hey, this movie is weird, but I would rather it be weird than be normal and dull. So, you know what? There, there are some very good things about this movie. So, Christian, you are number three. My number three is Children of Men. Back in the Apocalypse Blend of the Month, we did. You know, we, we reviewed six movies for, for that Apocalypse Blend of the Month. <laughs> yes, we did. It was a busy month. <laughs> uh, Children of Men, I am a big fan of. Honestly, the, the Quaron directed, he also co-wrote it. Um, based on a novel, but just how it's a society where someone has not been born in decades and therefore they realize that at the rate they're going, they will eventually die off. You know, there's no need to have any more things to prepare the next generation because there's no next generation. And then they find a woman who's pregnant and they're unsure what to do and the hope that glimmers with it. It's been called a Christmas story by some by some people we follow. And it's, you know, how much anticipation you can have for a savior when you dump all of your worries on them because you realize something needs to change, otherwise you have mutually assured destruction. It, it's, it's, it's so well executed. It's such a... It's such a beautiful tale of, of, of chaos and, and, and the uncertainty that comes when, when you are angry and there's nothing to direct your anger toward. So that feeling of angst and also how well-directed this is. Unbelievably well-directed. Unbelievably well-directed with fantastic performances. I, I, I really, it was a knockout first watch for me for this year. I'm, I'm incredibly happy I was able to see it. I'm incredibly happy you made me watch it too. It's another movie that had been on my watch list for a long time, and I could see easily making a list like this were I to watch it again. And unfortunately, it was just stacked up against some personal favorites, and so hard, hard to fit first-time watches that you don't immediately fall head over heels for, but still, just a very, very good movie that lived up to all expectations. And one thing, that, one thing that I really loved about Children of Men is, is again, we're talking about, a little bit about blockbusters done right, and, and I, I don't know if I would necessarily classify Children of Men as a blockbuster, but in terms of a movie that balances out the, some pretty intense action sequences with genuinely stirring drama, Children of Men crushes it in that department. Uh, shout out to Emmanuel Lebeski, too, who's the cinematographer here, who guide, he and Quaron guide some crazy action sequences with unbroken takes and, and swiveling and swirling cameras. It, there, there's a couple sequences in this movie that are incredibly well-known to this day, and so very much uh, glad to have caught up with that and, and loved finding some of the those like spiritual, religious, whatever you want to call them, undertones too. It's not very hidden. They're, they're guiding a, a secretly pregnant woman <laughs> to to safety, of course. Very similar to a, a certain religion's key Christmas story, like you said. So, Very certain to your certain religion's key Christmas uh, story. Yes, yes, in fact. In, in mine, in fact. Um, Alright, fantastic. It's time for your number three. You know, so Christian, speaking of blockbusters done right, my number three is Avatar. 
which we just discussed, wrapped up in our James Cameron blend of the month. But again, I'm just putting it together this list, and I just I went goo goo gaga for this movie when I was watching it just a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't leave it off the list. I don't need to go into much more detail as to why. I gushed about it with our friend Paul Yoder a couple weeks ago. So Avatar is my number three. PS2, Navi, graphics, be damned. <laughs> as you might think, Christian. I said PS3. Oh, yeah, PS3. 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 Move it up a console generation, folks. I Yeah, if you, if you missed that episode, I think Avatar is just an incredibly mid, again, big budget, large scale, epic. And I am so, so excited to see the sequel coming up here in just a couple of weeks. All right, increase your energy. You like it. The sequel's coming out on your birthday. Maverick's being re-released on your birthday. Come it's, on. Well, here, here we go. Maverick is leaving theaters on my actual birthday. And Avatar's like, it's coming out Friday, which is the day after my birthday. But No, it's coming out the Thursday before. I mean, yes. Unofficially, for all of us cool kids, it's coming out Thursday. But yes, it, it's coming out right around my birthday this year. Thanks to James Cameron. One of the nice things about having a, a mid-December birthday like I do is there is often a giant blockbuster coming out like this got some star wars movies for my birthday over the years now i'm getting avatar i always get something good it's great but do you have the super mario brothers movie i do not christian so i guess second place (laughs) second place for old scotty all right christian you're number two okay my number two is aliens and you are not allowed to speak because of what you did to Aliens last week. Liked it a lot, Christian? Is that what I did wrong? Aliens, beautiful movie. You know what? Aliens, five out of five star movie. An incredible movie about war and epicness and how you fight aliens and how this reveals something about the American military complex and how you um, are basically capitalizing on something that you do not understand and destroys you. And it's uh, also a movie about believing women, and it's a movie with with Sigourney Weaver as the head of it, just demonstrating how incredibly awesome and ferocious she is. And it's got so much goop in it. So it's much goop. fantastic. Love uh, a goopy movie. This is a movie that I want to see on the big screen, honestly, because I think that it would be so great to cheer I would kill to see this movie on the big screen. And the fact that we live in Los Angeles makes this convenient. I'm sure there will be at least one screening of it in the next I think the newer, year. I think the newer it's doing it soon. That would be pretty sweet to see. So we'll have to keep our eyes out for that. It would be amazing to see this on the big screen. And look, I know you get mad at me because it was lower on my James Cameron list, but it's only because he made so many good movies, at least in my opinion, and so <laughs> it was hard to rank them. And Aliens is is definitely a movie that I really like. And were it any other filmmaker, it'd be closer to the top of the list. It's just that James Cameron has made so many good ones, most notably Avatar, of course, which is my favorite James Cameron movie. <laughs> but I, I, it is fun to see the ways that he rips on the military-industrial complex and the ura soldier mindset throughout his movies of course it's not the first time and uh, maybe it was the first time but it wouldn't be the last it's also a great template for just what he wants to do he wants man to go up against something that's not necessarily man he he wants an otherworldly presence he wants to do practical effects in cgi he wants to subvert expectations and what um honestly he he wants a movie that people will cheer at and if you're a filmmaker who makes movies that people will cheer at not a ton of other filmmakers come to mind. Honestly, Tarantino is one of the most notable ones who comes to mind. I'm like, you know what? Go ahead, bro. Like, go, 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 go do your thing. I'll be there. So 
Love it. That's that's my number two, Aliens. All right. My number two, The Dark Knight. I'm we... surprised. You're surprised? I'm surprised The Dark Knight is aside for you. Why are you surprised? I feel like the Batman blend came and went. The Batman blend did not come and go, Christian. It lived in me. It, it stayed <laughs> with me. Talk when about I, it. Talk when about I it. needed a caped crusader in the night, I knew where I could turn. You needed my father. Uh, your father, Christian? Ah, uh, Christian Bale, of course. Not your actual father, who I still have not met, unfortunately. But <laughs> I haven't met Christian Bale either, I guess. But I've met him in a way. And look, I love Batman movies because I am a silly little child who loves to watch superheroes on screen. And that blend was so fun for me. Firstly, rewatching Michael Keaton's Batman, a movie that I gained more appreciation for on a rewatch. Seeing the new The Batman, which, again, I really, really liked at the time and gained more appreciation for when I went to see it again. And finally revisiting a movie that I'd wanted to revisit for a few years, The Dark Knight, which I think is still the best Batman movie, still one of the best superhero movies, if not the best superhero movie. Is it still your favorite Nolan movie? It might still be my favorite Nolan yeah. movie. I, I just think it is astonishingly well done, given that it is a silly Batman movie <laughs> and not only do we get this unbelievable and electrifying performance from Heath Ledger who dominates the movie with so little screen time but you also just get this sprawling crime epic and a lot of people compared The Dark Knight to Heat actually Michael Mann's movie which is another movie that I actually saw for the first time this year and one that I really really liked and you can definitely see the, the comparisons in, in what Nolan is trying to do. I think some people would consider it blasphemy if you try to say The Dark Knight is as good or better than Heat. But uh, for me, it still is. I, I, I'm just a movie that I, I think every time I rewatch it, I'm going to transport into the body of my 14 or 15-year-old self <laughs> watching it on HBO for the first time and having my mind blown. So number two, The Dark Knight. Shout out to one of your, one of your two dads. Christian Bale. Yeah, my other dad was also Batman. Your other dad was also Batman. <laughs> uh, Christian, do you have any, any Dark Knight thoughts? Like, I honestly can't remember your feelings on this movie because this was a March blend, right? I Okay, this, these are my feelings on The Dark Knight. I think it is a very well-made movie whose seams are showing. I think that they're... I, Definitely. I, That's totally fair criticism. Um, but, I mean... It, it, it's what I said before. It's a tier two movie. I mean, Heath Ledger's Joker is fantastic. I mean, my major criticism is there wasn't enough Christian Bale. <laughs> but I, the, the heists are wonderful. Like, the, the, the weird psychological thriller aspects of it are impactful. I wish it was tighter. I wish, and I wish the action was a bit tighter. But overall, I mean, it's a good time at the movies. It's a fantastic time at the movies, Christian. And speaking of good times at the movies, let's hear your number one. It's Titanic. Guys, guys, it's Titanic. Guys, Titanic is such a good movie. They're releasing it for Valentine's Day this upcoming year. Oh, Christian, we have Valentine's Day plans. My <laughs> wife will forgive me. <laughs> Bro. Oh, my. God. I, I, I have kept listening to trailers. Uh, not trailers. To podcasts of people talking about Titanic and just James Cameron's filmography. Because it's so wonderful. And they they were like, growing up, it, it felt like this this was a girl movie and not a boy movie. Where the cool boy thing to say was like, 
I didn't really like the romance in the beginning, but then when the ship started sinking, I thought that was cool. Well, guess what, all you losers, jackasses. This movie... You tell them. Yes. This movie is epic from the moment it starts. And the genius of it is the structure of this screenplay and how they show you through like CGI how the Titanic is going to sink and then you experience it in real time because what everyone has always ever been told about the Titanic is the intellectualized, oh, it was a ship that wasn't supposed to sink that did. And then you see the terror on people as they're actually falling to their deaths or freezing to their deaths or being crushed by a ship to their death. And just set against a love story that makes you so much more grounded in it. This is... Oh, I love the fact that this movie came out the year I was born. I'm, I'm, I'm glad for you, Christian. And it's a movie, again, that I am very, very happy to have finally seen because I watched it for the first time with our earlier blend of the month that it, that it was part of. And, you know, I just wish in some ways... I don't, movies aren't the center of culture anymore like they were in the 90s when this movie was coming out. But I wish that I could experience something like a movie of Titanic's caliber coming out and launching the careers of two movie stars like it launched Leo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet because they are unbelievable together in this movie. And you can feel, even 20-whatever years later, you know, you can, you can feel the, the charisma and the chemistry jumping off screen and you can see how they shot up in Hollywood. I, that's not the right verb. They rose in Hollywood. And I hope one day we'll get it back. We'll have to see. All right. Your number one, sir. My number one. Speaking of movies that you don't like that everyone else does, even though not everybody that, else that's likes this what, movie. What do you... Not everyone else... Not, not everyone has seen this movie. And that movie is Barry Lyndon. Yes. Stanley Kubrick's... One of his masterpieces. Of course, following the rise and subsequent fall of Barry Lyndon, a movie that I saw for the first time when I was taking film classes back in the day at the great Miami University and now have the Criterion Collection Blu-ray of and was able to rewatch earlier in the year. And Barry Lyndon remained just a perfect five-star masterpiece for me. Aside from tracing this very familiar story, rise and fall of someone who achieves wealth and influence and then loses it all, we also have some great performances to go along with it. Ryan O'Neill, of course, playing Barry. But this incisive look at wealth and power as Kubrick mocks and makes fun of them the entire way through. We get some fun and droll narration going through Lyndon's life. It's, of course, a literary adaptation, so Kubrick retains some of those elements. But I think most notably, the best part about Barry Lyndon is that it's just simply an incredibly gorgeous movie. Kubrick went to the point of getting camera lenses from NASA so that he could accurately capture candlelight on film, one of the first times it was ever done on screen. And he... I saw someone on Twitter recently talking about how every frame of Barry Lyndon looks like an oil painting. And while I'm sure Bro, we could... Bro, I said that. Yeah, there you go. Way to go, Christian. It wasn't your account, but... It's, yeah, I mean, every frame of this movie is stunningly beautiful. And it's a movie that, although its story is, of course, a little bit uncomfortable, we, we like to see our heroes win, but of course, Lyndon is not necessarily a hero, and he deserves his comeuppance. It's just a movie that in a way is sort of, I guess I could say, 
it has a good I, I don't want to say comfy but it has great vibes a good atmosphere <laughs> a movie that i enjoyed being in the world of for all three hours of it i, I think it's just an astonishingly well done movie an absolute masterpiece my favorite kubrick of the ones that i've seen and still my favorite movie that we covered here on the show this year if this movie had been an hour shorter i would have loved it now test christian i i agree with with what you said though that if you go frame by frame of this movie print it out hang it on your wall people are going to think that you've spent millions of dollars purchasing some of the most expensive paintings in the world it is gorgeous to look at no matter where you pause so christian Yes. You were talking about how not enough people have seen this movie. Even Don't, you dare bring up Letterboxd. Movie. Don't you dare bring up Letterboxd. Don't you dare bring up Letterboxd. 186,000 Letterboxd members have reviewed or have watched this movie, Christian. And do you know how many people gave it the same star rating as you? Less than 2,000, Christian. Fewer than 2,000 people agree with you. In fact, 43.8 thousand people agree with me that it's a five star film. And many so now, more have given it okay. four and four and a half. So you're entitled to your opinion, Christian. You absolutely are. I understand not liking Barry Lyndon. However, I will just say a little bit, a little bit of a contrarian move on your part. That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so 136,453 people have given Titanic a five-star rating. That is hilarious. So I'm, I'm the sorry. Sheer... Do we do we want to keep going with the, the masses? Sh- the sheer number game. Oh my gosh, how many people have seen Titanic on Letterboxd, Christian? I'm, I'm betting it's might be in the million watch club. It's. I don't want to count. It's many hundreds. Well, it, it should say in the in the members. But maybe it's not on the browser like it is on the Oh, it, it is. 1.4 million. There you go. Titanic with 1.4 million. <laughs> Almost 10x the amount of, of watches of, of Barry Lyndon. So let's go, Lyndon, Lyndon heads. Let's get out there and support our guy, Barry. Those are our respective top fives of the year, Christian. Yes. Uh, Want to run down your list quickly just to wrap it up? Yes. So my number five movie was Edge of Tomorrow. My number four movie was Planet of the Apes. My number three, Children of Men. My number two, Aliens. And my number one, Titanic. And for me, number five was Top Gun Maverick. Number four, Adaptation. Number three, Avatar. Number two, The Dark Knight. And number one, Barry Lyndon. I do want to say just a couple quick honorable mentions to reflect on another couple of movies. Uh, the Batman, which I mentioned, was close to being on this list. Closer to ten than one, but close. Titanic for me as well, just off the list. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was the Apes movie I was referencing. It was probably my number six. It was on the list up to this morning, and then I bumped it for Maverick. And the last movie that we didn't mention was Independence Day, which, again, is another movie that is deliriously fun and an almost perfect blockbuster. I thought, I I thought you were going to put it, it on. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anything so, for you, Christian, that was an honorable mention? Um, a couple. So Widows was on the list until Aliens. Uh, Scream. Fantastic. Oh, what, a, what a choice. Uh, T2 Judgment Day was on the outside looking in Independence Day as well for myself and a movie that also surprised was not on your list Mission Impossible Fallout oh my gosh Christian I made grave errors in my copy and pasting (laughs) Fallout absolutely would have been it's in my honorable mentions we have unfortunately had to pick (laughs) five movies but yes Fallout uh, yeah very very close for me and at the bottom, I have Friday the 13th and Liar Liar. Mm. 
Nice. I don't blame you for either of those choices. All right. <laughs> now, folks, we did take some time to look back, so let's look ahead. Uh, an ep- a list that was a full episode for us last year, and uh, won't be, of course, full this time, but we wanted to still touch on it. It's just our most anticipated movies of 2023. Because we want you to go and see movies. Yes, Because we do. you guys are starting to get off of your butts and going to see movies. Good for you. Good when job. you went and saw Ticket to Paradise, God bless you. All right. <laughs> now get up. And go see Avatar. Ticket to right. Paradise, financial success. Let it be known, Christian. It is a financial success. Yeah. So here, here are some movies that, that, that we want to raise awareness for. Some are going to be streamers. We have some big names. It's a lot of big here names. Also. Um, but let's who should we let's so start with you. Let's do a Christian. I was I received some heat last year because a lot of my picks were were franchises and IP and I will just say they're easier to find because studios <laughs> plan these things out years in advance and so the Wikipedia page is up to date and you don't have to go digging through directors IMDb pages to see what what they've got coming down the pipe. So the I tried digging to through directors IMDb pages is so fun. Indeed it is. I, I tried to to mix it up a little bit here, not not purely IP. And I will say, we do have a, two movies that both ranked very high on our list that we'll save to the end, and we'll share them as sort of a joint one-two punch. Both are most assuredly going to be hits. Indeed they are. My number five most anticipated movie of the year is Napoleon, which is going to be director, is being directed by Ridley Scott, and it stars Joaquin Phoenix as the titular emperor. Also features Vanessa Kirby in the, the key supporting role. I I will say, I, I do not know a ton about the life of Napoleon, but hot off the heels of talking about Barry Lyndon as my number one movie we reviewed on the show this year, when a, a movie in that sort of period is done particularly well, I tend to go for it. I was a huge fan of Scott's The Last Duel, which came out last year, and although I didn't love House of Gucci as much, with Napoleon being set in this period milieu, once again, I'm definitely hoping that... He's good with medieval times. He's good with medieval times, that is true. And although Napoleon's not medieval, <laughs> he'll say, uh, with something... He's good with big castles. Yes, big castles, epic movies. I- I'm hoping that we trend more towards Last Duel, unless towards House of Gucci. So I am hotly anticipating this. You don't want Jared Leto no, on there. No Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> I am hoping we avoid silly accents, and I'm I'm just fingers are crossed for a late period masterpiece from Ridley Scott. So you don't want an it's a me Napoleon. <laughs> I want Joaquin Phoenix to spend the entire movie fucking like Zeus. <laughs> no, not that. Christian, your number five. My number five. Um, it's written by Jeff Loveness. Are you going to wait for me to guess Ant-Man and the Wasp or... Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Bro, I'm so excited for this movie. Because here's here's the thing about, about, about Marvel. We don't know where the story's going. And we know that there's a future movie called Kang Dynasty. And this movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, has Kang, played by Jonathan Majors, who looks incredible in the trailer. And based on this trailer alone... And Jonathan Majors there, I am intrigued. Like that's that's honestly it. And I it's like look look. I know what I like. Um, and I like Jonathan Majors, and I am always happy when he's on screen. Yes. Basically every single performance that he has ever had, down to the Five Bloods, which we reviewed on the first year ever of Cinema Drip, he killed it in. So I'm. 
so looking forward to just seeing that and hopefully seeing the Marvel story be pushed in a direction. Yeah, I, I, we talked about it briefly last week. Phase 4 hasn't been the, the best, in our opinion, and a lot of movies that were just fine or, or worse. But I have some cautious optimism for Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm afraid it might be a little too CGI heavy, but you and me are in lockstep about Jonathan Majors. I'm incredibly excited about his presence as hopefully a Thanos-level villain in this franchise. He's a great, great actor, and I am really, really pumped to see more of him on screen. Coming up soon. All right, let's let's let's. Oh, by the way, it, it's coming out February seventeenth, twenty twenty three. Very close. This is true. Um, what's your what's your number four? My number four is Across the Spider Verse, the sequel to um, the Spider Verse <clears throat> animated movie that came out a few years ago, and not only was probably the best animated movie of that year, it was also it's just one of the best Spider Man movies ever made, and I'm really looking forward to uh, to a sequel here. Our friends. Our friend Kaysen Collar at the Hollywood Week podcast asked us in a group chat recently if it's going to be the best movie of 2023. And although I don't think it, I don't think it'll reach that heights, at least for me, based on some of the other movies that are going to be coming out next year. I am still really, really excited to see it. I, I really loved uh, the first Spider Verse movie. I thought it was super fun. Very sad it didn't come out this past year, like they yeah, said it was. Very sad it didn't come out this past year. But the animation also was particularly. It's well intricate. Done. Yeah, intricate. They use different styles depending on which character is on screen. They really, really worked hard to make that movie look special and look unique. So you factor in the fact that you've just got a great Spider-Man story being told, plus some really fun vocal performances from Shameik Moore and Jake Johnson. It was just a great success, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how the sequel continues us in this Spider animated journey. Plus, we're getting some great new voice actors thrown into the fray, like Oscar Isaac. So. Hard to resist folks like him. Across the Spider-Verse is my number four. My, wait, do you have, do you have the release date? I do not have a release date. Didn't look those up in advance. So if you want to vamp for it, I'll find it. (laughs) I I can go to my number four and we'll go back to it. Uh, Suzume no Tojimari is my number four. Uh, It's Japanese. It's translated roughly as Suzume's looking up. Uh, No, Suzume's locking up. And... Here's, here's the one-sentence description. It depicts a high school girl and a mysterious young man trying to prevent a series of disasters across Japan. It is an anime movie. The reason I have it on here is because the director and writer is Makoto Shinkai, who has done s- movies that I think push the boundaries of animation in ways, and, and storytelling, and fantastical storytelling in ways we do not get to see that often. He has made Weathering With You, which the more I think about it, the more it's just one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. He has made Your Name, which was like a worldwide phenomenon. The Smash, year, yeah. The year it came out. I went to the library and I got out one of his earlier movies called Five Centimeters Per Second. And just, he he loves doing these like star-crossed lovers and across time things. And, and everything is just so intricate. I mean, talk about a movie where every single frame you could hang up and it would be a painting. It's already been released in Japan. It's scheduled to premiere early 2023 in the U.S. So I can't wait because I think everyone knows like the Miyazakis of the world. But but Makoto Shinkai is someone who is not a Studio Ghibli person. I, I, I think is a name to also keep in mind if you are at all interested in international Japanese animation. And yes, animation cannot, is not internationally is not 
just from Japan, but I will say, if you like anime, this is a man that you should be looking forward to. I have not yet seen a Makoto Shinkai movie, and even though you had a strong recommendation for Weathering With You, and so I definitely gotta get on that. I went and bought Weathering With You. That's how much I loved it. So, we don't have a release date yet. We don't have a release date yet. Across the Spider-Verse is coming June 2nd. I went ahead and and looked that up for us. Fantastic. Speaking of movies that don't have release dates yet, to the best of my knowledge, my number three is Killers of the Flower Moon, which is Martin Scorsese's hotly anticipated uh, Western crime drama adapting the book. You put that on there because I reminded you. I put it on there because you reminded me. This is very true. But it was delayed out of 2022, and a lot of folks who were waiting for it were pretty dismayed. But hopefully that does mean it gets a little more, you know, a little more time to cook in the oven and, and comes out stronger for it. Obviously, reuniting Scorsese with Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, as well as bringing some folks, new folks into the fray like Jesse Plemons, Lily Gladstone, and Brendan Fraser, uh, adapting a nonfiction story about um, some murders on uh, the Osage uh, Native American tribe and on their reservation. And I am just, I'm kind of in the bag for Scorsese at this point. I am a huge fan of his and have become a bigger fan of his as I've actually gotten to watch more of his movies as I've, you know, gotten further into my 20s here and I was a enormous fan of The Irishman his last movie which came out on Netflix of course a couple of years ago and now he's working for Apple (laughs) and so it is funny to see one of the great masters of cinema working for these streaming services but hopefully that just means he gets a big fat budget to do something amazing and I'm hoping that all of us who are anticipating this movie are not let down knowing Scorsese I'm sure it won't be a total disaster but uh, again, I'm just really, really excited for what this movie is going to be, and we'll have to wait and see, because it does not currently have a release date, although I'm sure it will come out in 2023. It almost came out in 2022. It's premiering on Cannes, it's, yeah. so it's probably going to have a fall release date I am sure they're going to give the it Oscars Yeah, push. they're going to give it an awards push. It's not going to come out until later in the year, but... Keep your eyes out, folks. It's coming eventually. I'm interested. I'll see it. I think I'll, I'll, I'll see it. My my interest in three hour plus Scorsese movies is not great. Mine is immense. I know. <laughs> I, know. Um, I mean, is this going to be three hours? Who knows? I think that was reported to be over three hours long. <laughs> Fingers crossed, we get a nice two hours and forty minutes. Anyway, okay. Christian, back to you. My number three. My number three is Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Oh boy. <laughs> I cannot wait, bro. Bro, I cannot wait. Helen Mirren's in this movie, Helen man. Mirren's cashing a paycheck, folks. Zachary Levi? Come on. Asher Angel and Jacqueline Grazer coming back. You know who else is here? Rachel Zegler? Yes, Rachel Zegler. West Side Story parlaying that into multiple big blockbuster roles, and this is one of them. This is, this is going to be so good for me. I can't... It, it comes out March 17th, 2023. The extent to which I loved Shazam as... as and, and this is because Shazam is tailor-made for someone to love it. This is why. He is a kid who looks up to superheroes and then gets to transform into one. And so you see an awe in being a superhero that a lot of superhero movies have missed because they're trying to be gritty and realistic. And here we get to capture some of, you know, that youthfulness. And like, yes, you know, I love a good, gritty, realistic superhero movie sometimes. But sometimes I want it back to how comic books were made for kids. And they were done because when you looked around yourself, you couldn't find someone to look up to. But you could look up to some of the people on these pages. 
Zachary Levi is just like a personal hero of mine. I I I want to meet that man one day. He I, I used to have like a list of people, celebrities I want to meet and have lunch with. And he was like, I think number one, I'm not sure. I'd have to revisit. I I, I can't wait. I really, really cannot wait for this movie. I will say, I'm not really a big fan of the DC movies right now. And the first Shazam, I thought, was... um, uh, Unfortunately, it was really fun. Levi gave a great performance. And there's a really ton... Or really fun family at the center of the story. But that movie was absolutely sunk by its really bland villain. And the... The seven deadly sin monsters, whatever they were, just embarrassingly bad for on the part of DC. So I am really hopeful that Fury of the Gods can be as fun as the original Shazam movie and and hopefully introduce at least... I don't need an amazing villain to have a good time, just a little more interesting than what we got the first time around. But I'm sure I'll be there with you seeing that one when it comes out, Christian. I mean, Wikipedia tells me that Gal Gadot will reprise her DCEU role as Diana Prince Wonder Woman in the film. I can't wait for, like, one scene where she's like, Hello, Shazam. It's nice to meet you. And then cut to black. (laughs) And then she leaves the movie. All right, Christian. My number two movie stars Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Rami Malek, Benny Safdie, Josh Hartnett, Dane DeHaan, Jack Quaid, Matthew Modine, Dylan Arnold, Alden Ehrenreich, David Krumholtz, Michael Angarano, Kenneth Branagh, David Dasmakian, Jason Clark, Josh Peck, Devin Bostick, Alex Wolf, Tony Goldwyn, Gary Oldman, Casey Affleck, Scott Grimes, Josh Zuckerman, James Darcy, Matthias Schweinkofer, Christopher Denham, David Rizdahl, Guy Brunet, Danny Defari, Louise Lombard, Harrison Gilbertson, Emma Dumont, Gustav Skarsgård, Trond Fausa Orvag, Oli Hoskvi, and Olivia Thurlby. And that's right, Christian. My number two is Oppenheimer. Christian, Christopher Nolan, excuse me, Christopher Nolan's <laughs> return to multiplexes after the frustrated rollout of Tenet in the 2020s pandemic-stricken year. Of course, following the story of J. Robert Oppenheimer, the physicist who is credited as being the father of the atomic bomb. I am in the bag for Nolan. He can do no wrong in my eyes, unfortunately. I know he has his critics, but I am just absolutely in. I'm also really excited to see people like Robert Downey Jr. and Matt Damon in the back on screen. Florence Pugh, of course, is someone who can actually do no wrong in my eyes. And I'm really excited to see Killian Murphy just get a big leading role in the middle of a giant blockbuster like this. Uh, It's coming out July 21st. Every white person in Hollywood has signed up to be part of the cast and Rami Malek. (laughs) So, look, I, I... I think there are some areas, some ways that this could misstep, of course, because when you tell these historical stories, obviously you can lionize people who don't deserve to be lionized, and especially Oppenheimer created the atomic bomb, which is not a great invention as far as the history of the world goes. Of course, ended World War II, but for whatever marginal benefits that brought, it also brought the threat of nuclear destruction. And so... Even Oppenheimer himself, I I think, I'm not really familiar with the history of his life, but even he was not uh, not too pleased with sort of the developments of it. His most famous quote is he adapted from, uh, he, he lifted this from a, a Buddhist source, but said, I am become death, destroyer of worlds. And so I'm curious to see how Nolan delves into Oppenheimer's psyche and what he reveals to us about maybe American ambition uh, or, or even just Oppenheimer, the man himself. Either way, I... I'm always going to have a Christopher Nolan movie high up on this list until he adapts the long-awaited Christian Bale farts for two hours. The movie that I said is would be so bad, even you would go see it, Christian. Uh, or you would even go see it, even though it was bad. So 
We'll have to wait for that one, but Oppenheimer is my number two. I'm excited. I am also excited that a historical drama is going to have a massive release. $100 million for a big historical drama that might have some nice explosion CGI, but hopefully that is just being spent on the cast. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, the, the, the cast is probably taking up a, a, a chunk of the change. Yes. Now, um, no, but I'm excited. I, I look forward to it. It's going to be a good July. All right, my number two is Saltburn. The film depicts the lives of a grand aristocratic English family. That is the extent that we have, but it is written and directed by Emerald Fennell, who did Promising a Woman, which is a masterpiece of a debut film, in my eyes. Like, you talk about starting with a splash. Uh, also, the cast is incredible. There's, I think there's so much here. Jacob Elordi gets to be part of incredible casting now. <laughs> Jacob Elordi is a weird dude. I'd, li- I'd like to see more of him. I have not seen The Kissing Booth, but I have seen Euphoria. He's not so. great in that. <laughs> and this is why I'm saying it's an incredible cast. Because he who, who, is, who is the douchebag from, from New Girl? What? Like Schmidt, the main character? Yes. So Schmidt was used to such great effect in Promising Young Woman. Yes. I am looking forward to seeing how Jacob Elordi is used in this movie. She, because like, as soon as Adam Brody came on for Promising a Woman, or Schmidt came on, you're like, oh, I recognize that dude. Oh, frick. <laughs> I, like, this, also Barry Keown, who's just, oh, I love this man. Oh, yes. He, he is our, our gremlin king in Hollywood right now. <laughs> Need a weird little guy for your movie? You cast Barry Keown. <laughs> so, come on, man. You're excited for this movie. I, I will be honest. I was not... And extremely aware it was coming out, but I, I'm not sure because I really liked Promising Young Woman, and then sort of got caught in the cycle of discourse that happened around it, and uh, sometimes obviously you've got to fight to separate your own feelings about a movie from not just what other people are saying about it, but the kinds of stories that get written about it, the kind of reputation it develops. So I was a fan of Promising Young Woman. I thought the ending, I thought you didn't stick the ending. So either way. We'll see. I, I'm I'm sure that I'll see Saltburn. It's going to be a big movie. It's, well, I'm excited. I think filming has wrapped up, so I'm also hopeful that it comes out in 2023. Y'all, these movies are also subject to move. Yeah, some of them are, of course. I'm definitely sure that for Saltburn in particular, it'll get a festival debut, and we'll learn a lot more about it later on in the year. Either it'll get a fall awards push release, or it'll be one of the first big movies of 2024, but fingers crossed for 2023. All right. Uh, what's your number one? My number one is a little movie called Dune Part 2. I'm sure a lot of folks could have seen this coming. I lost my mind about Dune last year. It transported me in a way that very few movies have. And I, although I'm not familiar with the, the world of Dune from Frank Herbert and Son, but I just loved, loved, loved that movie. We have a ton of interesting new actors joining the proceedings here. Austin Butler, hot off his role in Elvis. Florence Pugh, of course, because she's the queen of Hollywood right now. Leia Seydoux, Christopher Walken also joining in supporting roles. I'm just really excited to run it back. I, I think Villeneuve has the right people to help him here with Greg Frazier as a cinematographer, Hans Zimmer doing the music, Joe Walker as the editor. There's great people behind the camera and even more people we love coming in front of the camera. 
again, I'm not familiar with the story of Dune, so I'm really excited to see where it continues. I'm excited to see the development of Timothy Chalamet's Paul Atreides character and Chalamet's movie star persona. And as we discussed, Christian, I know one of your biggest points of critique for both the original novel and the movie was the ways that it plays too fast and loose and indulges in a white savior narrative. And I'm curious to see if Villeneuve is able to undercut that in, in ways that I thought he did in, in Dune Part 1. And I'm curious to see how he will or will not undercut it and what that would do for the story, especially as Paul gets more engaged with the Fremen characters who are the indigenous people of this world and they're led by Javier Bardem and, and Zendaya. So I am extremely excited and I will have a butt in a, a Cinemark seat on November 3rd, 2023, when this movie comes out. I'll, I'll be excited to see what happens when Zendaya gets a bigger role, which hopefully she actually does take on. Yes. Sorry to all the Gen Z kids who went to that movie, wanted to see Zendaya, and then they saw her for all of five to six minutes on screen in a very long movie. Show me this one more. <laughs> so, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'll go see it. But Christian, it's not your number one. No, Tell it's us not. what is. Maestro. Which is written by Josh Singer and Bradley Cooper, directed by Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper plays Leonard Bernstein. It's his directorial follow-up to A Star is Born. Um, it's going to come out on Netflix in 2023 at some point. He is with Carrie Mulligan and Jeremy Strong and uh, Matt Bomber and Maya Hawke and Sarah Silverman just portraying the life of Leonard Bernstein. It's centered on uh, Bernstein's marriage to Felicia Montelagre. It's, I'm so, I know nothing really about Leonard Bernstein's life, but I am fascinated by what Bradley Cooper will do. So, you know, that's, that, and I, I love Carrie Mulligan also. I'm excited to see how this entire cast comes up. I'm excited to see what the music is done because Bradley Cooper, I think, has proven that he can direct music well, or in like live performance as well. And he, I think, was trained as a conductor at a young age. So, also being produced by Spielberg, Scorsese, and Todd Phillips, which is just big names are attached to this project because I think they have some faith in what Cooper can do. Also, Bradley Cooper is is one of my top five favorite actors ever i always love it when a new movie of his comes out even if it's something as small as in thor love and thunder so it's i look i don't sound excited right now and that's because i know nothing about this movie that being said you put cooper on it you put the, his creative influences all over it and i have to see it i want to see it so badly I'm excited for this one too. A Star is Born was a really, really strong directorial debut. And he not only made a great movie, not only got a bunch of Oscar attention, but also just managed to make a movie that could capture the zeitgeist. And casting himself across from Lady Gaga, of course, gave us Shallow, which is one of the just flat out best movie songs of the recent memory of that decade for sure. And there are some moments in A Star is Born that I, sitting and watching it, I was... Literally, he, like, he moved me to tears. Uh, and, and so I am definitely excited to see Maestro whenever it comes out. And 
Again, I'm not super familiar with Leonard Bernstein either. I've seen West Side Story, both its original and its remake from Steven Spielberg, but to the best of my knowledge, that is about it. So I am very interested to, to learn about Bernstein's life and to see what Cooper does with it. I think if done well, obviously, he has some, some good names attached to it as producers. Could, of course, be one of the biggest, uh, not only like awardsy movies of the year, but also just fought out one of the biggest movies of the year. Right. And we always love to see a movie that is not attached to a franchise or an you know, IP, something like that, do well, even if it is a biography adapting someone's life. So, okay, those are our respective individuals. We did not have these movies on our individual Yes, we, a lot of these movies, you know, we, we shared anticipation, but they were lower down on our personal lists. But we did have two movies that we shared the anticipation of. Uh, one movie, I think folks may be surprised if they know my anticipation and, and uh, for this movie and my love of its predecessors. But Christian, am I allowed to say the franchise movie that we're both anticipating? Yes. <laughs> that movie, of course, is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Which, holy cow, when they revealed that bad boy was called Part 1, whew, got too excited. Uh, of course, a, the next entry in the Mission Impossible franchise, which is only getting better in my eyes somehow, uh, re reuniting Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie with a lot of the same cast members, of course, who've been part of these movies, such as uh, Simon Pegg and Ving Rhames and Rebecca Ferguson, also bringing some new folks into the fold, like, oh, why am I forgetting her name, Christian? I am forgetting the person's name, and so I'm going to look it up. Bringing in Haley Atwell. There she is. I, I just couldn't remember her last name. <laughs> uh, but also bringing back some people from Haley franchise Atwell's past. Haley Atwell's great. She is great. And bringing back people from franchise past, like Henry Zerny, who has not appeared in the franchise since the original Mission Impossible. Watching the trailer for this movie, I was already just getting ridiculously hyped. And seeing Tom Cruise drive a motorcycle off a cliff is my favorite trailer moment of recent memory. So, yeah, consider, consider me delirious and anticipation for Dead Reckoning Part 1. It does come out July 14th, 2023. Christian, what's got you waiting in anticipation for this one? That I saw the first six Mission Impossible movies, and they're great. Yes. And I saw them in like such quick succession. Also, Vanessa Kirby, I'm so excited because she's crazy. And she is back. And she is ready for more. Back. And look, Mission Impossible is is just one of the best things that, that action franchises and filming action can do. Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie are a great duo are just an absolutely fantastic duo in how they play off of each other and how they develop things. And this is this is the way that I think about Dead Reckoning based on the trailer. So, so come with me to Peru, where there's an Andean man sitting at like an outpost that's been, I don't know, overrun by the, by the non-Andean people. And he's sitting there with his mixed child, of, of, you know, half Andean, half Spanish, and he speaks in Quechua. The, 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 the old dude is speaking in Quechua. They get a translator, and the translator narrates, this is the story of this impossible mission in Spanish to the child who grows up and then tells it to the world. That's how I picture this movie, you know? <laughs> uh, you know, Christian? I guess I don't know, but I hope it does give the feeling of... <laughs> People communicating in, in old, old languages, sharing on the stories of ages past of, of Ethan Hunt <laughs> as he reckons with death, part one. 
Our next movie that we share in anticipation for Christian is another movie that is actually coming out on July 21st, 2023. And it stars Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, America Ferreira, Simu Liu, Kate McKinnon, Ariana Greenblatt, Alexander Ship, Emma Mackey, Kingsley Benadir, Issa Rae, Michael Sarah, Rhea Perlman, Will Ferrell, and Kuti Gatwa, Emerald Fennell, speaking of. Hari Neff, Sharon Rooney, Scott Evans, Anna Cruz Kane, Connor Swindells, Ritu Aria, Jamie Demetriou, and Marisa Abella. That movie, of course, is Greta Gerwig's Barbie. Dude, I Barbie. never thought I'd be this excited for a Barbie movie. <laughs> Barbie's gonna be so good, man. Oh, frick, Greta Gerwig? I'm so excited for Barbie! <laughs> Barbie's stacked. Yo, and the publicity pictures showing Marco Robbie oh and Ryan Gosling are amazing. Amazing. The costumes, man. Look, this it's is going to be... a $100 million budget. $100 million Barbie movie directed by Greta Gerwig. Screenplay co-written with her husband, Noah Baumbach. Noah Baumbach. Wrote a Barbie movie. Wrote a Barbie movie, man. Look, I... I'm just so excited for July 21st, 2023, when every actor in Hollywood and around the world is going to be on our big screens competing to see if Oppenheimer or Barbie will emerge as the victorious number one. A hilarious divergence, a movie that is stereotypically for bros, the historical epic, historical epic from Christopher Nolan, and a movie that might be stereotypically for, for the girlies, of course. The, the Barbie adaptation from Greta Gerwig with fun costumes and Marco Robbie doing her favorite New York accent. But... Look, I mean, this it just it's not only with Bombac, uh, Bombac's help, but also shot by Rodrigo Prieto, who has worked a lot with Martin Scorsese, is a, one of the preeminent cinematographers. Music by Alexandre Desplat <laughs> is also just like a, a brilliant, brilliant composer. I mean, I have no idea. How are they both coming out July 21st? Because God loves us. I don't know. I, look, I, I, just, <laughs> I don't even know what the story of Barbie is going to be. I don't care. I think this is just going to be an absolute blast and a half at the movies, and I am so excited, especially considering... Should we see both on that Thursday? We Yeah, we should, Christian. Or, I mean, both on the Friday? I don't know. Like It's it's going to be... I'll call off of work. This, this is yeah. worth it. I think I'm calling off of work for Avatar. It's going to be great. So um, on it, yeah. Christian, you seen any of the old Barbie movies? They made the a bunch of... Animated like, movies? Yes, the animated movies. I think I've caught like glimpses of them like well i don't i don't remember if they're barbie or brats okay because there's some differences yes of course very key differences the uh the lens family was fans of barbie and the nutcracker and i think barbie is rapunzel i want to say but uh we we had those on rotation you know i didn't know i don't know what you're talking about well it's the nutcracker but with barbie and then Mm. it's rapunzel but with barbie so just imagine that and there you go so, Christian, those are our most anticipated movies of the year. Yo, I don't know what this podcast has been. We've been talking for an hour and nine minutes. I don't yeah. really know what we've been talking about. Yes, you do. We looked back at our top five <laughs> movies we were covered on the show this year, and then we looked ahead at our respective top fives with two more that we're both hotly anticipating. Uh, Christian, rapid fire honorable mentions for movies that we are looking forward to next year. My Marvel movie I'm most anticipated for, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Those are two of my favorites. I'm pumped to see the conclusion. All right. Um, is that your only? Are we are we shooting off one? Uh, I was one? I was gonna give you a chance to say one because I got like three or four. Okay. Um, the Trashers, which is Cooper Ripe's next movie that stars um, Cooper Hoffman and also David Harbour. Oh baby. I'm so excited. I'm so I, I want to print out the picture I have with Cooper Ripe and just like put it on frame it. frame it. <laughs> 
next time I see, hopefully I get to see him again, have him sign it. There you go. Uh, next for me, another franchise effort, but of course, John Wick Chapter 4. When John Wick is killing people on screen, my butt's going to be in the seat, and I can't wait to see what they do with this one. I was not let down by the third one. I still liked it, but definitely a bit of a step back from the heights of the first two, so I'm hopeful that Chapter 4 can recapture some of that old magic. Uh, Elementals, the next Pixar movie. I'm really excited about it. I saw the trailer. I... Seems intriguing. Seems intriguing. Looking forward. Yeah. I am interested in a movie called Chevalier, which I actually just saw the trailer for. Yes. It's coming yes. out in March or April of next year, but uh, follows a, a true life story of uh, one of the first um, black men to succeed as a musician in, uh, I, forget, I don't know what the name of the era is, but in France during the time of Marie Antoinette. Uh, it, it honestly seems like it's just really well done. It stars Calvin Harrison Jr., who's uh, you know movie star on the rise, but also has some fun people in it, like Samara Weaving and Lucy Boynton. It just seems like it could be a really solidly done sort of real-life story and with some great musical elements thrown in. So I had no idea it was coming out until I saw the trailer uh, recently, and consider me excited. The Killer, which is the new movie starring Michael Fassbender, which is directed by David Fincher, based on... Based on something, I don't know, but <laughs> I, I, I'm excited for David Fincher to make another serial killer movie. Ah, David Fincher and serial killers, love it. And last one for me that I'll throw out there, but I mean, come on, Magic Mike last last dance. How could we not be excited about Magic Mike's last dance? I haven't seen any of Magic Mike's dances. Oh, Christian, I would strongly recommend you do it. It was uh, a, obviously it's only two movies, so it's not really a project, but. Two movies that both my wife and I watched for the first time in 2020 at the height of the pandemic, and they are super fun, but also just really heartwarming, <laughs> especially the second one, which is so much about male friendship, bonding, and finding people to, to love and take care of in this life while you strip your way down to Miami, Florida. <laughs> I am just really... As uh, I tend to do. Uh, yeah, as you tend to do. I'm sure that's how you get home, Christian. Going down to the great state of Florida. I Look, I, I mean, Steven Soderbergh is coming back to direct. He did not direct the second movie. And, but it's I, I'm sure it's going to be at least a good time and hopefully even more, just like the other two got to be. So This Max, is Max's last first days. theatrical release in a while. Yeah, Soderbergh has been working with the streamers quite a bit. And he is... He is obviously well-known for his experimentation, be it with genres or formats. He's worked in TV and now, of course, direct to streaming. So it'll be good to see a movie of his back on the big screen. And I just hope that it is as successful as the other two. Scream 6. That's my last one. I'm, I loved Scream 5, or as it was just called, Scream. Um, I'm a fan of all of the Scream movies. I've realized that this is my horror franchise that I sit my butt down when it comes out. And I'm like, yes. Give me meta-commentary on horror movies, and yes, give me a killer who is there from, like, the first three ones, three minutes of the movie, and yes, give me a great, crazy opening for kill. When is that coming out, Christian? Do you know? Scream 6 comes out March 10, March 10. So you're telling me I have, essentially, three months to watch Scream 2 through 5, so I can see that with you. <laughs> Bro, that's such a good time. The original Scream blew me away. I, I was a huge fan, and I'm so glad that you finally made me watch it. So, gotta get caught up with the what rest. What do you mean I made you watch it? You chose the movie. Did I choose the movie? I made me watch it. Ah, thanks me. I, the blends blends together. I forget who picks what. I made me watch it. Not, good job, me. I love me. Christian, that is both our top five movies we reviewed on the show this year and our top five and some extras movies we are anticipating in 2023. Covered a lot of stuff, uh, the good stuff on the show this year, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming down the pipe. 
I'm excited and I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, 2022 wraps up, of course, because this, this year is not quite over. We have some big movies coming out in the month of December. And of course, by the time you are hearing it, listeners, December will have only just begun. So some exciting stuff coming up still, but should be another good year for the movies in 2023. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you are still listening at this point, that is our show. And we thank you for still being here. We love talking about these movies and, and sharing our thoughts with them. So it means a lot that there are folks out there listening along. There are a few things that you can do to support the show. Number one, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if applicable, leave us a rating and a review. Warms our heart to see those five-star reviews come in. And of course, we do appreciate those reviews. Just helps us get better at what we do here at the Cinema Drip Podcast. And we love to shout out those nice and loving reviews here on the show. But hey, leave me a nasty review. Maybe I'll shout it out. I'm not afraid. You can, of course... Also send us an email to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com where we are regularly checking that inbox for listener feedback. Obviously, we want to make sure that we are covering movies that you want to hear about. We're covering blends of the month that you think could be interesting. And we love to incorporate listener feedback into the show, be it a your perspective on the best movies we covered this year, a top five list that you made, or even an idea for a blend of the month if you want to submit that. We have taken those and used them before. And so we'd love to know your thoughts, listeners. You can send that to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. And hey, especially with our Marvel Cinematic Universe draft coming up next week, want to make sure that we can get some of your Marvel thoughts in as well. Lastly, you can follow myself in the show on Twitter, Christian on Instagram, and the both of us on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things we are watching. As a reminder, we'll be joined by friends of the show, Tyler Penn and Timmy Gibson, next week to uh, do an MCU draft, which we'll get into the full format next week, but should be a very fun and rollicking conversation as we compete to pick the best group of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. A couple from each, or one from each phase, and a few other uh, categories that we'll have mixed in. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? Do you have a strategy? My strategy is to win, Christian, and I will, I will, I will win at whatever cost. But unfortunately, some of my MCU opinions are out of step with the fandom. Maybe not out of step with like popular opinion, but we will have to see. So I, I'm, I'm thinking through, you know, what, what do I pick? Do I pick my favorite or the one that I think will get me votes? We'll have to see. What about you? Um. I don't know. Still still working on it? <laughs> I, I, I basically think I'm going to plot out if I go first, second, third, or fourth. And then from there, what movies I have to... From there, like, what categories I should choose. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see you next time. Because until then, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast. <laughs>